Hello and welcome to Beauty Island, the award-nominated beauty podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I am your host, beauty journalist Brittany Stewart. If you are new here or you just need a little recap, each episode I sit down with a guest and ask them about the eight beauty products that have a special memory or meaning for them, the ones they take to a desert island, aka beauty island, that I'm sending them off to. Maybe it's the first beauty product they ever bought, the one that gives them their signature look or confidence boost, or the perfume that instantly sparks a memory of a special place or person. Along the way, we find out more about their life, career, and the people and events that have shaped them into who they are today. Today, my guest is former Benefit Cosmetics National Brow Artist and Eternal Brow Wiz, Hannah Mitzi. Name a famous face in Australia and every single beauty editor, and Hannah's probably had her hands on their brows. From Sydney's go-to salon of Kristen Fisher to being the national brow artist at Benefit Cosmetics for three years, there's very little she doesn't know about the art of the bushy things above our eyes. We talked about her idyllic Queensland childhood, teenage beauty mishaps we can all relate to, the bougie cleanser that saves her breakout-prone skin, and handy as some of us still remain in lockdown, shares her ultimate brow tips, including what products to use when, what to attempt at home, and what's best left to the professionals. If you enjoy this episode, please rate and write a review on Apple Podcasts or click subscribe on Spotify. As an independent podcast, those things really help more people discover the podcast so I can keep making it for you. You can also recommend to a friend, a colleague or a stranger by sharing a screenshot on your Instagram story. Don't forget to tag at Beauty Island Podcast so I can see. I also have a regular beauty newsletter called It's a Beauty. The link to sign up is in the show notes. Now, over to Hannah. Enjoy. Hannah, welcome to Beauty Island. I am very excited to be having you and your wonderful brown knowledge on the podcast today. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited. I feel honoured. When we talk about beauty, obviously it has become a large part of your career. When you think back, what was your first memory of beauty? Did the woman in your family also have much interest in beauty? Oh, yes. I feel like I there was no chance of escaping it. I grew up with three sisters. I'm the second eldest. And then mum and her sister were both hairdressers. So I was surrounded by women and surrounded by DIY beauty right from the start. I love it. So some of the products that you mentioned that you talked about in that time, you grew up seeing your mum using Amway makeup, Mm -hmm. silhouette hairspray, and you mentioned the DI Beauty, which Mm -hmm. I thought was so, so great. Tell me a bit more about those. Weirdly, Amway, when I was thinking about that question, Amway weirdly came to mind because I I feel like it's quite obsolete now. But I just remember mum would have, and she still does have bags and bags of little bits and pieces under the bathroom cabinet, not so much Amway anymore, but she'd have bags of, there'd be little powder, almost like refill compact powders And there were these little mini lipsticks that had that classic lipstick smell. And I just remember me and my sisters rummaging through those for hours on end and creating really, really beautiful looks at the time. And then, I mean, Silhouette Hairspray, mum and her sisters all have really fine hair. And I don't know how I managed to get these curls, but I just remember there's always been a black bottle or a black tube, a black can of that Silhouette Hairspray on her vanity for as long as I can remember. And then you mentioned the DIY beauty and that as well. I think because she 
was a hairdresser for so long and then as was my auntie and my auntie had her own salon they you know they were doing their own tinting and they were doing their own waxing so I just remember that those little pots of nads green wax heated up in the microwave and then set up on the floor and mum would be strip waxing her own legs love it and I believe you grew up in Brisbane or in Queensland in Queensland yes in Toowoomba which is about an hour and a half from Brisbane what stands out from your childhood? What kind of did young and teenage Hannah love to do? We spent the earliest years in Toowoomba and then we all moved, my family and I moved to, to Townsville and that was kind of my primary school years. Memories from that are just classic 90s childhood. We would we were roaming the streets, we were climbing trees. Dad loved to fish so we had a boat and we'd go out fishing. And So I feel like it was this beautiful hybrid of being surrounded by women and us kind of playing in mum's makeup and then also wanting to, with dad having three girls, I think us wanting to to be the son he never had as well and kind of kick the footy and climb the trees and, and fish with him. So they definitely kind of stand out for memories. And then we moved back to Toowoomba just before high school. And then memories of that were just girlfriends. I was so lucky to have just to be surrounded by a really close-knit group of girls and my sisters. A lot of our extended family lived in Toowoomba as well. So it was very loving, very, very safe, and almost a little bit sheltered, weirdly, which was kind of lovely looking back now. I love that. And the second set of products on your list are kind of the first ones that you remember owning yourself. And Mm -hmm. um, definitely some that I and lots of other people can relate to and remember having as well, which are the lip smackers and of course, anything from the body shop. So tell me about those two. Yeah, well, it was funny. It was only when I when I you sent through that question and I was forced to think about it that lip smackers came to mind. And I think they were under the Christmas tree every year for so many years. The collectible tins, and then they would do collaborations with, you know, like Coke and Fanta or weird collabs. And I, I just remember always hunting down those collections and having many around at any time. And the body shop really has. I worked there for a little bit when I was in high, like early years of high school. It was always, again, like a Christmas treat from aunties. We'd get the little minis, like the little mini shower gels or a shampoo or a soap. And then I feel like I've never shaken that. I still have this soft spot for the body shop, especially coconut fragrance, but I've just reunited myself with shea butter as well. And it's it's still a winner 20 years later. An enduring beauty love, definitely. If we were to look back at photos from your teens or pre-20 years old Hannah, what kind of beauty yeah. looks or trends would we see? Would you be would you be happy to show us these pictures or are you keeping them private, oh, locked away? <laughs> look, I, had you asked me a few years ago, I probably would have kept them private. But I feel like now it's also like that time is so formative and it's almost you, I, maybe I've grown into becoming proud of that and or respecting that that kind of made me who I am. But from a beauty space, I think I went through, as a curly girl, that phase of forever straightening my hair for years. So that was definitely one phase. And I, I wouldn't say I regret it, but I look back and kind of shake my head at that. I definitely had a really terrible phase of lighting the waterline. I've got quite small eyes. And I'd put this heavy navy blue eyeliner on the bottom waterline of my lashes. That was a really beautiful look. And then it was so much shimmery bronzer. I was talking to my girlfriend about this yesterday, and, and I don't know if it was Chi Chi or Napoleon Purtis, but any form of shimmery bronzer we could get our hands on, we were obsessed with, be it for face or for body. I remember Sports Girl had 
the most iconic and the most perfect liquid body bronzer that smelled like coconut and that was definitely a teen memory for sure and then from there I feel like kind of late teens actually no another one I used to tint my eyebrows way too dark I think watching mum doing that growing up I was like yes I can do the same color that she does and I look back on some photos from maybe year 10 or 11 and I had these black awful eyebrows and just had no idea what I was doing so it was all very playful and experimental but nothing too crazy or extreme. And before we leave Teenage Hannah, two Ooh. other products that I think played a significant role in your teens were the Garnier CC Cream and CoverGirl Purple <gasps> Mascara. And is that actually okay. a purple mascara? <laughs> no, I need to pull up my list. Yeah, so Garnier CC, I feel like that one, when CCs and BB creams were just becoming a thing, prior to that I'd probably been obsessed with something that was way too heavy coverage but they came out and they were game changers the Garnier one was iconic for my best friend Mia and myself I think we maybe for a couple years that was a mainstay in our makeup bag and the CoverGirl mascara it wasn't it was a black mascara but in a purple tube and it was incredible I remember for years as well I kept that on hand and it would be the one thing I'd recommend to everyone I don't know if it's still right now. I'm sure it is, but it was a winner. I read in an interview that you described your move to Sydney, obviously growing up in Queensland, as one of your proudest achievements. And I know that Mm -hmm. particularly Sydney, I think that Sydney, like London and New York, can be a bit of a tough city to kind of break in. Um, Mm -hmm. What brought you there and now does it feel like home to you or is home still back in Queensland? What brought me here, I was working, so I started doing brows maybe 10 I think it's almost about 10 years ago did that for a few years got a little bit bored and tried my hand with floristry so I was doing floristry in Brisbane I was working at Mecca as well part-time doing the two and then I decided that floristry was the thing for me at the moment at that time and you know it's still a huge part of my life but my best friend at the time had moved to Sydney so it was already appealing in that sense and I'd had many fun weekends down here visiting and then through floristry, I discovered the brilliant Saskia Habacus in Grandiflora and kind of set my heart on that. I was like, that is the place for me. If I'm going to do floristry, it's the only one I want to, the only place I want to work at and to learn from and be inspired by. And so set myself the goal that if I could get a job there, I'd move to Sydney. Um, as fate would have it, that happened through one of my floristry friends in Brisbane. So I was very lucky and moved down here and started working at Grandiflora. And then that kind of working there and then I was also I kept brows while working at Kristen Fisher eyebrows so I was you know juggling my two passions and then through that it's it's totally become home I can't imagine myself anywhere else now I feel like like from a work point of view it's it's been such a journey and such a I'm so grateful for that experience and then on a personal note as well I've fallen in love with it. And I love that you said that floristry is still something that you, is a passion that you still have today, because I feel like it is kind of just another way of expressing this idea of beauty and creativity and also precision, which you need in brows as well. So I love that you've managed to find a way to keep both of those passions up. Now, you mentioned there that one of your first beauty jobs was at Mecca, and you've said Mm -hmm. that you really feel like it was in your 20s when you truly fell in love with beauty. So tell Mm. me about, I suppose discovering or or pursuing the the line that beauty could be your career? I mean, Mecca, I think Mecca must have been maybe my early, I'd say early 20s. I think I'd always romanticised Mecca as a customer, you know, seen the beautiful stores and had seen everything that was inside and wanted to be a part of of that place and of that experience. 
so it's, I guess I was just attracted to the, the overall allure of Mecca and Browse, I think I've, I have the worst memory in terms of timing things in my life, but I think by that stage I had started working in the brow space as well and that I worked, um, a girlfriend of mine was working at the brow bar and I'd come back from working at the snow for a season and needed a job and ended up working there just on reception and then trained in brows there. So between the two, I feel like they both just fueled, one was more of the service-based beauty industry and one was definitely product and that's a really weird answer. But between the two of them, it was just this beautiful space to be in. And my girlfriends were in the space too. And I feel like Mecca and Browse, for that matter, give you the opportunity to have those conversations with women, which is the best part about women, you know, make those connections and share recommendations and share about what you're loving. And I think that's why I loved, loved them both. The fourth products on your list are the perfumes that have a special memory for you. And I love that there are a few special ones for you. So we have White Diamonds, which reminds you of your nan. Cacherelle Lulu, which reminds you of your mum. Gypsy Water and Portrait of a Lady, which I think you discovered while working at Mecca. And then Grandi Flora's Sandrine and Estee Lauder Bronze Goddess. So tell me a bit more about some of those. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. I guess the scent is so nostalgic, so it, it's attached to so many memories. White Diamonds is one that I just I always think of Nan if ever I smell that, and it's quite beautiful. I remember Pop used to buy her a bottle maybe every Christmas, or so there's there's really beautiful family memories there. Casherelle, Lulu, I mean, Mum hasn't worn that in years, but it's kind of another one of those ones from growing up that I always remember that beautiful blue bottle would always be somewhere and we'd try and squeeze little spritzes of that whenever she wasn't looking so they're both kind of family you know nostalgia and then I think the others all relate to like different times of maybe my early 20s like Gypsy Water and Portrait of a Lady were I feel like when I was finding my beauty feet almost and kind of discovering my taste in that space and hadn't really been exposed to those before and there were so many brilliant memories from that time Sandrine, as you said, that's uh, one of Grandiflora's fragrances and it's, I have so many brilliant memories from Grandiflora and I feel like the years that I were there was, was so formative and that fragrance just is like fresh cut flowers and reminds me of that space and that time. And then Bronze Goddess was one that when I was talking to my best girlfriend about doing this podcast yesterday, she's like, you have to mention Bronze Goddess because it was this like elusive coconutty fragrance that they only that Estee Lauder I don't know if they still do it but they were releasing it every year and one of my brow clients at the time came in and was wearing that and I remember I was on the hunt from that day on and and it was a favorite for a couple years actually and I still have a bottle that I am hopefully never finish I just like spray it every now and then (laughs) so none of them are actually fragrances I wear now but they're all um, etched in my memory quite strongly I love that savor those special drops of bronze (laughs) goddess So you are a national brow artist for Benefit Cosmetics. What exactly does that involve for someone who outside the industry? And what are some of the highlights? What's the favourite thing about your job? I know it's such a benefit title. They love to create these fun ways to describe everything, which is one thing I love about the brand. But my national brow artist is, I'm essentially our brand ambassador for the brow category. So brows are globally benefits biggest category and a couple of years ago, they developed a team of national brow artists, one in each, in all markets, but one in each or most markets around the world. So, I mean, that person's job in my role is to to spread the brow word of benefit. And um, I guess it's it's 
deeply kind of seated in PR from a media sense. Like I'm have uh, developed great relationships in that space to make sure that brows are always front of mind for beauty editors. From an influencer point of view as well, it's making sure that, or I trying to, not trying to, they're actually easy to fall in love with, but just ensuring, or again, sharing benefit brows with um, in the influencer space as well. And then on both of those levels, it's doing the brows of, of those girls and guys as well. So from a service point of view. Um, and then it crosses into content and digital and our events. So it's very dynamic, which I love about it and, and lots of fun. And it seems like brows really, obviously, I think it's something that makeup artists and individuals have always done, but as kind of a mainstream category and product that I was going to say us normal people, non-beauty people uh, <laughs> have been doing yeah. as part of their routine, has really risen in the last, I don't know, five years or so. What do you think it is about brows that make it such a powerful I suppose feature of the face and as a result a powerful bit of makeup that you can do as well yeah I mean well as I said I started in brows about 10 years ago and at that time they were just starting to kind of become more commonplace as you know as far as women's beauty routines would go they were no longer just getting an easy wax down the corner that you know they were seeking somewhere special out for it and then uh, definitely in the last five they've kind of now become that that one service and that one feature that women can't live without having done or can't live without doing themselves. I think it ties quite closely into the fact that they instantly frame the face and they can transform the face, the overall appearance of the face really quickly in a good or a bad way, depending on what it is that you're having done to them. And they're also so tied to emotion and how we express ourselves. Like I feel like brows from just an expression point of view show a lot and then the same can be said for if you have a bad wax job or a bad style them badly they can change how our expression shows as well so I think it ties tightly into those two. You know brows to an almost I imagine mathematical science you're obviously seeing a lot of brows and working in a lot mm-hmm. of brows who would you say either known to you or famous has really great brows who's kind of who are the brows that you admire? Oh um, Zoe Kravitz is one of my faves I think because she has the her brows are kind of similar-ish to mine it, they've just got that feathery fluffy very low maintenance very effortless look and I mean she's so cool that anything she flaunted would be gorgeous but hers are definitely on the top of my list The fifth product on your list is the ones that you always repurchase, which for you is the Rationale Catalyst Cleanser and Walida Skin Food, which is a great multi-purpose product. Why do you, why do those two products specifically always have a place in your beauty routine? So Catalyst Cleanser is a game changer. I've got quite, I'd say it's normal, but very prone to a breakout skin. And prior to discovering that one, I had never believed in investing in a cleanser and was just using, I can't even recall what I was using before that, but it's one that keeps my skin balanced. I can use it as a mask. It keeps my breakouts in check. I feel like it's almost like a safety net for keeping my skin balanced. So it's always one that's there, mainly just out of comfort and knowing that I can rely on it. And skin food, I I mean, it's on everyone. I feel like it's on every blog as a cult classic beauty must-have. I love it, again, from a breakout point of view and from a, a dryness point of view, I feel like it's just a, a saviour regardless of what my skin's doing. If it's breaking out, I can generally rely on that to, to ease my breakouts if I'm incredibly dry in the winter months or from overusing actives, which I definitely did at the start of isolation and had to um, scramble for it to cure me. So both of them are just reliable, safe products that I always know get me out of trouble. 
What is the most common brow query or question that you always get asked? What do you do you feel like is the missing gap of knowledge or just the thing that people always want to know from you about brows? I think two things. One is definitely colour matching. It's so many women still struggle to find the perfect <laughs> coloured brow product. And I think also it's just finding a flattering shape for their face. Like, and it, I get asked that question a lot, you know, how do I find the perfect shape? And it is such a hard question to answer. But um, they're both actually relatively easy if you know what to look for. So it's the most common queries would be around shape and colour. So finding the perfect colour brows and then also finding the perfect shape for one's face. Both quite challenging. And obviously there has been while we're talking we're obviously still in the midst of isolation and quarantine and there have been lots of attempts I imagine by people to do things at home what do you think you can do at Mm -hmm. home and and what is maybe if you're not quite so confident best left to the professionals when it comes to your brows I love this question and I think definitely brow tidy up so a bit of brow maintenance is actually surprisingly easy if you know what you're doing at home and the same can be said for brow tinting if you do the research and know how to do what you're doing before you start both are very user-friendly it's when people start to get into brow shaping or transforming the shape of their brow or creating something that they've never had before that's when you enter dangerous territory and it is definitely best left to professionals as well as waxing I feel like brow waxing is one keep it in the salon tweezers at home waxing in the salon a very good rule to follow. I like that. <laughs> and, and on that, I do love that you talk about people embracing, really starting to embrace their natural brows rather than trying desperately to make a shape fit that just your face isn't built for or isn't getting the most out of your face. Um, and I suppose while obviously a lot of brow advice is personalized, if we're talking more bro- broadly about someone who wants to select the right brow product for their brows, you know, there's powder, there's pencil, there's pomade, there's gels. Mm -hmm. What do you kind of recommend as a good place to start or what type of product is best for which person? Pencils and gels are probably the most user-friendly and therefore lend themselves to brow beginners or those who are just looking to create create something more low maintenance and um, a little more natural. And then there are definitely products that lend themselves more to like the intermediate or the advanced brow doer. So I think depending on more so skill level and the amount of time you're wanting to put into your brows as to which formula is best but for most you cannot go wrong with a fine tipped brow pencil and a tinted brow gel they should be in everyone's makeup bag regardless of skill level regardless of brow style they always come through speaking of brow products i love that they obviously make up part of your signature look which for you is feathery brows and curly Mm -hmm. hair we've got the benefit 24-hour brow setter and the 11 miracle hair repair and avida damage remedy dry oil so tell me about those three core products Yes. Well, 24-hour brow setter is a clear setting gel. So generally my go-to brow style is effortless, brushed up, textured looking brows, and that delivers every time. It's super low fuss. So on days, if I am creating something a little more defined, I can put it on top of my other products or just wear it on its own. So it's just another reliable favorite. And then curls have been a journey as they are, I think, for all curly girls. And those two products, again, are just reliable mainstays. The 11 I feel in the last year has probably become my favorite and just guarantees defined, glossy, healthy curls. So I'm in love. And I love that you mentioned that there because obviously I have curly hair and I've spoken to a lot of people with curly hair. And it is so interesting that we all go through the same journey. You mentioned, you know, as a teenager, straightening it. I remember straightening my hair to then curl it (laughs) because I didn't like the way that my curls left. So tell me a bit about that journey with kind of 
embracing and loving your curly hair, which you, you've got beautiful curls there. Thank you. Definitely, like primary school, I remember slicking. I think the style was that slicked back ponytail, and I remember because I was curly, I could never slick it back tight enough. So it'd be, I'd probably have headaches all the time because it was just pulled right back, and then a couple little strands hanging in the face. I think I went through a phase in primary school of then embracing my curls for a little bit. But then definitely towards the end of high school, end of primary school, early high school, I was in that straightening phase of just straight once a week. Wouldn't have been seen seen dead with my curls. And then I probably, I mean, there were times, definitely through high school, I feel like I'd still be straightening, you know, once or twice a month. But then it's it definitely my 20s and kind of in the last few years where they've become so true to who I, you know, they're a part of me. And I feel like when I'm curly, I don't feel quite like myself. But it's just been a journey of nailing the styling regime to guarantee good curls every morning because as all curly girls know, there is no two mornings are the same. Yeah, no such thing as consistency until you find the right product. No, (laughs) yes. But the curly girl method as well, are you a fan? I haven't actually tried it properly, but I never blow dry my hair. I always let my hair dry, air dry naturally. Good. Well, the curly girl method was another game changer. I don't follow it strictly, but certainly their tips on how to dry your hair and how to apply your product, like the praying hands method, they were game changers in the last couple of years. Mm. And the scrunch. I do the scrunch all the time. Oh, the scrunch. <laughs> the scrunch and silk pillowcases, yes. Yeah. <laughs> You've talked us through a few of your brow products. When will you think about your wider makeup collection and, and the personal makeup collection you have at home, are you the kind of person who has a very refined and slim edit of what you use or do you believe that more is more the day-to-day is definitely slim but then I do have a little stash of things that if I've got a bit more time on my hands or want to amp up a look I can play with but I'm pretty much a one-hit wonder like I create (laughs) variations of the same look on most days and the more time I spend on something the worse it ends up looking so I generally just go for for products that I that I know and know the results and know how they're going to wear and don't have to worry about. I don't like fuss. I don't like having to top things up during the day or have to worry about how they're going to wear. The seventh product on your list is one that's not necessarily glamorous, but you would trust with your life. And this one sounds like a very reliable product to have in your arsenal, which is a foot buffer from your local nail salon. <laughs> Tell me about that one. I don't, oh, it's such a disgusting product, but I... I have this weird thing about feet and I feel most like a lady when they're smooth and this is just one that it never fails it's you know I've tried most of the ones on the market and I always come back to one that I just pick up whenever I'm getting a pedicure I'll get pick up the one that they use and keeps me feeling like a woman <laughs> when you think about your relationship towards beauty obviously it's something that you are passionate about and love and it is also your job how do you think it has changed as you've gotten older or what is your favorite thing about beauty as as a passion forever it's been all about the relationships and the connections that come with it and the conversations that surround beauty i think you know it would have started with amongst my mom and my cousins and my sisters and then that grew into girlfriends you know through through school and then as i started to work in the beauty industry it would become with customers or with clients who would then become friends so it's always been about those those connections and recommendations and finding someone who loves the same product as you and um, the joy that comes from that so it's more on on an emotional level I think as well as the playful like it's so playful and so fun and when you find something that fits your routine it's it's the best and I feel like 
we have never really talked about beauty more than we do now because obviously we've got media, we've got blogs, we've got social media. There's beauty conversations happening all the time. And I really loved a point that you raised in your answers where you talked about us selecting beauty brands, not just for how the product works, but also what the brand stands for as well, which I think is a really interesting point. Yeah, well, definitely as beauty, uh, you know, as, as you said, it's becoming more of a, a, not a thing, it's been a thing for forever, but now align ourselves with brands that, that fit our aesthetic or that fit our lifestyle, that fit our values and our beliefs, which I love. It kind of becomes part of us like, like we develop style, our fashion style over time. It's now fun to kind of develop our beauty style in a way and find the fit. Who is someone who has really shaped or inspired you either per- or, or both personally and professionally? I know that there's a, f- um, a few people who you'd love to shout out. So tell me yes. about those people that have helped shape you. I'll break it into two. So I feel personally I've been so lucky on a family and friendships level to always just be surrounded by so much love and support and so grounding and always just comforting to know that that's there so I think that has definitely shaped who I am and and forever grateful for that again when I was talking to my girlfriend about these answers she's like you have to put Sandy in there so Sandy's my boyfriend and I think weird like I've been with him now for about three years and I think his unconditional love has also just made me kind of come into myself a little bit more in this whole newfound confidence, both on a physical level and a professional level. And so, again, I think it's just that that support and that grounding that I am so grateful for. Professionally, actually, another personal one I just saw it on my list there is my naturopath. So I, I haven't seen Emily in a, a little while, but she, I think, changed. And, you know, she's probably had quite an impact on how I view beauty or health as well in that I was went through a phase maybe a couple of years ago where my hormones were quite imbalanced and I felt really out of touch with my body and really out of touch I guess just through that like all my levels were out so my, my emotions were all over the place and she was one to kind of tune me back into that inner voice which I think is so important to who we are both on a personal and professional level and so very grateful to her and then professionally I think Saskia at Grandiflora was a brilliant one I mean she's such a, a brilliant has such a brilliant creative mind and I've always um, admired her and learned so much when I was there and then benefit as well I worked I was so lucky in coming into that workplace that there was this incredibly strong um, female leadership team Camilla at the time was my immediate boss and I learned so much from her Phoebe as well uh, both two women who still work at benefit and are just superstars so very grateful for their leadership and their lessons very grateful for all of those and when you think about the idea of success, how do you personally define success? When do you when do you feel like you'll feel successful or when do you feel successful? I love this question um, and I've been talking about it with girlfriends a lot lately. I think I've never been one to, I've never been great at planning, first of all. So I think like having a set career goal or, you know, success for me has never been around reaching a certain level or a certain salary. I think it's been more of a feeling around lifestyle and more of a holistic approach to success from a a work point of view it's definitely feeling fulfilled and feeling valued and like you're you're creating something of of value and and meaningful but success for me is more you know beautiful friendships and strong genuine relationships that's that's a lovely way of looking at it I really like that it's a knowing I think we have come to the final product on your list which is your holy grail beauty products which we've got a clear brow gel and tubing mascara which is life-changing tell me about those two oh yes okay so 
sorry, Clear Brow Gel I've already mentioned is just a game changer. It, for though, for anyone who likes a textured or a feathery or a natural looking brow, it creates that in a second. It almost also makes your brows look really glossy and, and textured, it's beautiful. And tubing mascara, that changed my life. I was prior to finding tubing mascara, and this is probably, you know, Benefit have an incredible array of mascaras, which I love. And, and I wish Roller Lash was my favorite before discovering tubing mascaras, but I'd always have smudging regardless of if I powdered or all of the tips and tricks I, I tried. And then tubing mascara was just a game changer in that you know it's not moving anywhere all day. Obviously, we've talked about your passions in beauty and floristry and friendship when you think about what your ideal Sunday would be, what you'd be doing on an ideal Sunday, where would we find you? What would you be doing? Walking to the beach barefoot with friends or my boyfriend, coffee, lazy mornings in the sun, probably a bit of op shopping on the way somewhere, hopefully, if they let me go in. And just being surrounded by beautiful people and beautiful food, hopefully a salty swim. Quite simple, really. Sounds like a bottle of wine. Yeah. <laughs> Hannah, you have talked us through the eight and a few more beauty products that have special memories and meaning for you. <laughs> now is the, what some people say is the hardest question, which as I send you off to Beauty Island and I say you could only take one of the products that you've spoken about today with you and it doesn't have to be practical. <laughs> it can be just for what that product mm-hmm. represents or reminds you of. But if you were to take just one, which one will you be taking with to your desert island? Um, okay, and I listened to a couple of your other podcasts and learned that you give me sunscreen. Yeah. Otherwise, it would have been SPF. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's got to be skin food. I can use it for everything. Very smart choice. Breakout, sunburn, hair, cuticles, lip balm, all of the things. It'll keep me safe. You are sorted Hannah, it has been so lovely chatting to you today. Thank you so much for sharing your beauty memories and journey with us. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beauty Island with the brilliant Hannah Mitzi. You can find where to follow her and, of course, a full list of all the products that she mentioned in today's episode in the show notes. And if you did enjoy my chat with Hannah, I recommend going back to the previous season to listen to my episode with Phoebe Simmons. She's the founder of The Blow Australia and a former Benefit Cosmetics marketing whiz. And she has so much wisdom to share about the beauty business. If you fancy chatting more beauty, you can find me on Instagram at Beauty Island Podcast or my personal beauty account at Brittany Beauty BTS, where I regularly share products I'm loving and talk about all aspects of beauty culture. Or you can sign up to my regular beauty newsletter called It's a Beauty for my beauty column reviews and recommendations straight to your inbox. Thank you and until next time, bye bye.